welcome to the Ransomware Battleground, where we dive into the world of cybersecurity and hear firsthand from those that are deep in the fight to protect your data and peace of mind. Think your network is secure? Let's check out how secure you really are with this week's chat, SolarWinds Supply Chain Attacks. What do you need to know? I'm joined today with Dr. Chase Cunningham, retired Navy Chief Cryptologist with more than 19 years experience in cyber forensic and analytic operations. And let's be honest, he is a fellow podcaster and host of the Something Something Cyber Podcast. Dr. Chase shares with me on how this attack happened and his advice to clients on how they can best protect themselves. I'm your host and moderator, Sia Yasso Tornrat. Before we get started, I've got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Airgap, the best defense against ransomware. With the Zero Trust Isolation Platform, Airgap confines ransomware to a single device. Put an end to threat propagation and protect your infrastructure in minutes, not months. Without further ado, let's enter the battleground. All right. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ransomware Battleground. As we all know, I'm Sia. And today, we are going to be talking about the, I don't know, some bizarre little minor, minor thing that happened with solar winds, this supply chain attack that we might have heard about in the, oh, I don't know, everywhere. So, uh, would love to welcome our guest today, Dr. Chase Cunningham. Chase, hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Someday I'll get that title down. I hate intros. Do, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, it's always great when it's like, you know, just here's Chase Cunningham or whatever. Or then it's the ones where they do the, you know, your entire career. It's like, oh, God, shut up. You know what I've learned? Never to do that in front of the person because 99% of the time the guest is like this. Yeah, it's like awkward and terrifying. <laughs> oh, and on top of that, it's. That that's not that's not in my bio. Yeah, that's not yeah, right. <laughs> I know, I know. So Chase, welcome. Um, look, everyone uh, knows that I don't have a huge, heavy, heavy background in network security. It's, at least it's dated, but I understand the concepts well enough. And for an attack like this to happen, um, you know, the fact that you know you got FireEye and you got SolarWinds, and they, I mean, they know should know better as organizations. They've been penetrated, if you will. It just my mind is blown. So if you don't mind taking a step back for me a little bit here, let's tell me and let's walk through what exactly happened. Because in my mind right now, I I, I just, the pessimist wants to say what kind of negligence happened or is it, damn it, everyone's getting really good at this hacking. And I think we're at a shift of cat and mouse again. Well, I mean, in, in reality, I mean, and okay, I'll caveat this too with a lot of what we kind of quote, no, is basically based on extremely heavy intelligence-based speculation. I mean, the, the reality of it is, is unless we have a clearance, none of us are are getting the ground truth from the classified side of this. So uh, I'll caveat that with, with this, and I'm going off of my research that I've been able to read up on. And essentially, what we got here was SolarWinds, uh, somehow or another, we don't know whether it was by a third party, by a malicious insider, or via just you know, coding practices or somehow or some way, they wound up getting uh, injection into their code base into DLLs that are used within, uh, I believe it was Orion to work with their customers and do what they do for customers. And I, I believe the last number I saw was something like um, 33,000 customers, something like that were affected, which is a large number. And a lot of that, I think 425 of the fortune 500 were in there along yeah. with most of the federal agencies. And essentially what this was, was where the, the adversaries were able to get in there. They did their code stuff, and they were able to get in, get in with within that, and then set up 
the typical sort of APT type of hacking operations you see, right? You get in, you tunnel, you find a nice cozy place that's that's warm and dry, and then you funnel out traffic and kind of do what you do for recon purposes and whatever else and going forward from there. Uh, and then there were follow-on uh, indications of intrusion into those customer bases as well. But uh, I mean, in perfect honesty, this this was a extremely well orchestrated, very very focused, very vectored attack that this could happen to anybody anywhere. I mean, this, this when you when you look at what's going on here and the level of effort that was taken, the opsec, everything else, the technical prowess that was required, this type of exploit, this type of activity could and has worked on a variety of organizations. So you know we we can't beat up on them too much, but I mean, in reality, they just happen to be the recipient of uh, a very focused effort by a very targeted group. So, I mean, so could this be then a, um, a highly orchestrated, so the assumption being they're well-funded, this is not something like a bunch of teenager in a, in a closet somewhere. This is definitely a, a professional hit job, if you will. This is nation state. I mean, this, this is some, okay. some nation state. I, I think we rushed to attribution a bit too quick because immediately I think the notification came out on the Thursday and by Saturday everybody across the industry was like oh it's the Russians APT 29 uh, I wrote about this in my book like false flag operations are a very real thing and you know knowing having been on the uh, the, the adversary side of this thing like you you do a lot of work to make sure you cover your tracks I think it was way too fast for those of us on the unclassified side of this to say this was the Russians it sure looks like it probably was however, the adversaries that do this type of work, they'll spend just as much time making sure that you attribute this work to someone else that's not them. Right. Oh, throwing, hey, we know the red herring, right? So, yeah. okay, so, okay, for, for looking at this, and if it's a nation state attack, and we're looking at something that is pervasive and popular solar winds, I mean, this tool is used everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, I mean, it is, it's so integral and part of our digital age that we're in right now. Is this something where SolarWinds, could they have protected themselves better for it? Or is it because of this next gen, you know, infiltration, these hackers that are supposed to be white hats turned black hats for the nation state, et cetera. They know these tools are pervasive. So let's just go after them. Can Was this something that SolarWinds, for example, I don't want to knock on SolarWinds, but unfortunately that's their name, right? That's And FireEye. Could they have present, prevented this? Or is this, it's going to always be a cat and mouse. One's going to attack and then one's going to have to defend. I mean, this is this is espionage, right? So this is this is cyber warfare 101. This is what you know organizations do when they're trying to figure out a way to gain competitive advantage on another nation. And I mean, that's why another indication that this is nation state level, because why would you go after an organization that has this much spread and this much depth within these these groups? And it's because you're trying to gain some sort of competitive advantage via learning from the intelligence lifecycle, which means this is worthy of their time and effort. And this this probably took them, you know, 18 months, two years to put together, even maybe even possibly longer, depending on if there was a human side of this thing to get in there. And then they were in there for, you know, X number of months as well. And it 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 speaks to that this is this is where uh, the future of espionage is going. Like, I don't need to worry necessarily about putting human beings into an organization. I might need one. Um, but after that, I can just work through the digital avenues to get there and go deep into it. And you will gain competitive national advantage if you do this enough. Now, was this at the fault of then the, okay, so as you and I know in the IT world, we don't, we're, it's almost like the larger the organization, the slower they are to do patch updates and management. Is Was this something that 
could have been prevented or even, okay, let's assume this happened. And then now we're all looking at best practices from here on out. I don't think that this is anything that anyone could say they could have stopped from the, from the preemptive side of it. Right. I mean, even if they had had perfect patching and perfect security and whatever else, I mean, when you're dealing with something that appears to be this targeted where they're working that hard to get into your code base and do it at the level that they did, it's, it's almost a given. I mean, you can, you could liken it to, you could eat really healthy. You could never smoke a cigarette. You could whatever else, and you could get lung cancer. And I mean, yeah. it's just because that's the nature of, you know, cancer is, is a modification on the genetic level of what's going on within your cells. You couldn't, you didn't do anything to bring it in necessarily. And again, we don't, we don't necessarily know that there wasn't something that was outside of the bounds of normality, maybe a third party vendor relationship or insider threat type activity at this current date. However, you know, in my opinion, and from what I've been able to read, um, it, it sure looks like they, they, they didn't do anything that I would consider to be negligent to make this a, a thing. I mean, this was a targeted oh. focused APT operation. Okay. Well then, okay. On that positive note, then how, I mean, this is no, you can't rip out solar winds. I mean, once it's in there, it's, it's pretty embedded into your network. Right. So then what is it that we do then? How would you advise hardening, you know, the security posture from the future then? Like, well, I mean, we're going to be dealing with this for years. Um, I think uh, Richard Betlick and a few others have said, you know, when they were interviewed on CNBC and MSNBC, what do we do? And they said, burn it down. And what they mean by that is basically you're going to crawl through the infrastructure and you're you're essentially burning stuff down to figure out what isn't infected and working your way backwards from that. And if you think how large this is, it's going to take years. Um, so this is this is a big deal. But I think really what's also a value here is is number one, this is a great time to remind yourself, no one is perfect, right? And you can, you're, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're a target, you're gonna get got, that's just the reality of it. But what the other side of it is, if you look at what happened after they got in, it was the same hacking stuff we've done 10,000 times before. And if you have the right controls in place, you can at least mitigate the spread, the proliferation of the attack. And that that's the, that's the, the last goal, not to keep likening this back to the cancer thing, but like if, if I can localize the tumor and remove the tumor, right. then you're probably okay. If it's systemic and it spreads, we have a problem. And that's where I kind of feel like where we're at right now. So, okay, they, I, I think you had the stats down. They, they have, th SolarWinds has over 300,000 clients, 33,000 that they recognize are Orion platform clients. Mm -hmm. And then they actually lowered the number even further to like 18,000 of those that did the patch update which that would imply then there's a good 12,000 that are slackers and got lucky they dodged a bullet because they didn't do the patch update. But uh, yep. I would say that's <laughs> probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> so good job for slacking on the job. Apparently you got reward, but okay. But so, so in this one article I was reading, they were saying there were quite a few where they just like dug around, decide they didn't like, and they just said, yeah, you're not worth our time or you don't have the day that we want and care for. I mean, this is frightening to me because for those that didn't go much through, like maybe they just opened the back door and they didn't actually do any penetration, right? Um, if I was one of those organizations, like what would you do then to say, okay, well, do we just kill off this segment of the network that we think got compromised? I mean, do you have to start a new entire network? You know, it's spun up outside it and firewall everyone against it. Like, How does one look at, okay, once you address it, you mitigate it and then do what next? I mean, I think really where you're getting to in the next step is is to is to treat things. Uh, you know, uh, I guess we're working in lots of uh, healthcare stuff, but I mean, like it's gangrenous, right? Like you just want to cut it off 
because it's infected and it's going to kill you if you let it sit there and fester. So do that and move into other uh, areas of the infrastructure. And luckily now with what virtualization provides and with the controls that are available from vendors and things in this space, you can do that. If this was three years ago, maybe five years ago, you couldn't do that. So, I mean, now you can migrate to a new space. And I, I really do think too, um, that this is where it's a, I, I'm a big fan of never wasting a good crisis. So this is a good crisis to use to, to digitally transform, you know, and move forward. Right, right. No, it totally makes sense. So I'm wondering if my storage buddies are like thrilled and happy now, like, hey, you got that backup? Guess what? We're yeah. important. Backup right. recovery is a thing. Like app or some of those folks that do backup and storage. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So gosh, I was just looking at some of these notes here and it's, it's, I want to be positive here. Chase, <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here. It's like I, reading a Tom Clancy novel on cyber. I mean, you know. I mean, look, people, like in my worldview, I knew from, you know, early 2000s when I worked at SonicWall back in the day, and that was just endpoint security. And at that point, the big thing was this VPN, right? Like stateful firewall packet inspection. And, you know, now it just seems so much more sophisticated. And it's it's absolutely um, sign of the times how dependent we are. So with all these ransomware attacks, SolarWinds, okay, just being an example here, we're shifting towards a digital society, purely digital. We're looking at IoT. We are looking at, you know, the connected universe, right? I mean, is there ever going to be, are we ever going to be comfortable, full, safe? Is that full, safe, full, <laughs> full, safe? Is that the word? Are we ever going to feel safe? Maybe. I mean, it's, um, I don't foolproof. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those deals where a lot of times I think we, we look at things collectively from like, Oh, this is neat. And it does this cool thing. And then we go get it and turn it on and it, it does what it does, but we don't think about the implications therein. Um, the more connected you are, uh, the, the larger your, you know, sort of platform for potential compromise becomes, and it's it becomes a collective question of is the nifty cool thing really that valuable that we should you know live live with that risk and i mean it's 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 a decision that comes down to the individual and the especially the organization i mean i i've done workshops with a lot of businesses that have said we're going to do x and y and z and a lot of times once i start asking the question like do you really need that like is it is it a need or is it a want they, if they step back, they usually will kind of go, you know what, that, that's a want. And it, uh, is a want worth the risk? I don't think so. Well, that all, you know, like that all depends, right? So how much are you looking to, let's say, automate your environment, right? And then how much what, of the critical data that you have, how much are you actually putting into the cloud versus like maintaining your own network, right? Privately, on-prem, right? Well, and I mean, what is the what is the critical data now, right? I mean, because critical data for organizations is so ethereal and so dynamic that even having a, a bounded control of your data is extremely difficult today. I mean, depending on what you do, especially with the fact that we have more knowledge work being a thing that generates revenue now, it's really hard to say what is your, you know, critical data. Do you think that, you know, with this day and age and I'm getting, I'm jumping a little bit because I'm just super excited about this conversation. But, you know, we talk about investments into our military and thank you for your service, by the way. Um, I was actually talking to um, General Robert Spaulding uh, of the U.S. Air Force, and he is very, uh, let's just say he's not, he doesn't love the CCP. Um, he's really not loving the Chinese <laughs> government. Okay. 
and he made it very clear to me on my other podcast, uh, Innovation Calling, that you know his his viewpoint is he's a military guy. Obviously, he was a you know brigadier general in the Air Force. He's now retired, but warfare now is so much more in the cyber side. And you're you're saying espionage, not in the traditional sense, not World War II, you know, you know, you know, what's that trench coat wearing kind of spy. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Again, I know your background's with the Navy, but you were in the cybersecurity side. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I really think if you look at where where you can gain competitive advantage now is in the digital space. And I mean, that's what if you look at what espionage, what warfare typically is about, it's about me finding a way to do better than my adversary and potentially imposing my will upon them. I mean, that's that at the end of the day, when you look at warfare, I'm going to take ground from you. I'm going to take something from you and then I'm going to make you do what I kind of desire because that's what warfare is about in the digital space. You have ways of doing that now. Now it's, it's probably much more lengthy in uh, strategic sort of vision but it is a very, very real thing. I mean, if we see what's kind of going on in certain sectors of the world, you know, you can kind of see what's going on over in China where they're continually expanding. They have new military capabilities that interestingly enough, look just like the stuff that we've put out um, and they're, they're, they're gaining ground. I mean, they've, they're taking back land in the China, South China seas and things like that. So, I mean, it's already playing itself out. And the reason that they're able to do that is because they've gained some competitive advantage via espionage, via cyber. So can we just arrive at this then? Should we just assume simply that we cannot trust anybody? Like all traffic now, is it going to have to run through much more strenuous security? Do we just have to keep adding more and more layers? Well, it's not necessarily that we add more and more layers. It's you add the correct layers that are correct for your particular use case. And I mean, that's that's where we've also had a lot of problem too, is that um, We've rushed to get all the stuff all the time because somebody else has it and we think that'll make us more secure. And I mean, you can look at thousands of cases and say, well, they invested in all the stuff that it make them any better than I am right now. No, it's not that you need all the technologies. You need the right technology to solve the right problems. I, I tell people all the time, if, if you change your way of thinking about cyberspace as somewhere you go to talk to grandma and look at kitty pictures and actually look at it as a live fire battlefield environment, how would you transit an environment like that and expect to survive? You would plot out how you're going to go out. You would armor up. You would make sure that your vitals were protected and you would have a plan to get you where you're going and to return. Um, and once you're outside the wire, like you're living in that, that threatened space. And if you do those things, you have a higher likelihood of surviving the engagement and returning back to your base. But if you don't, if you just go stumbling around on the internet, you know, your business in tow, bad things are going to happen to you. It's not, it's, it's, it's not an if, it's just a matter of how long you get to stumble around before a round catches you in the forehead. Exactly. It's almost like keeping your door unlocked and, you know, hey, no one's robbed me just yet. I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those deals where there is value in deterrence. So let's talk about this thing because I, I like that you kind of like lay that a little bit. So if you were to give me like a checklist, if I'm going to be, uh, you know, you're one of your clients and I say, look, I haven't done anything. I thought, you know, my mid-tier size uh, enterprise business is not going to be looked at. What what kind of data and information do they really want from me? What checklist would you say initially say, hey, here's the things you got to look out for to to protect yourself or to even consider like, hey, these are the investments you need to make? 
Uh, I mean, I think one of the main things I would be thinking about is is first is how secure uh, how secure is my identity and access management program? How good am I with no rogue passwords, no bad accounts, those no shared privileges, no excessive privileges, those types of things, because that's where you go from from bad to worse. Uh, and then on top of that, I think the next thing I'd be looking at is is really the ability to segment uh, infrastructure very well and know that I can see what's coming and going uh, and then follow on. Personally, I would be using something uh, probably remote browser type of isolation solution on my endpoints because I want them to do things in the cloud. I'm okay with with actually having bad things happen if it's not happening on the endpoints. I personally think, and I think history's proven this, if you're relying on antivirus to stop infections on an endpoint, it's not going to work. So let them do it in the cloud. And then if it gets infected, so what? And most of what people do nowadays can be done through the browser, which is why I think browser isolation is, is a useful solution. Can you say browser isolation? Because I want to get, I, it's a little bit beyond me here. What do you exactly mean by browser isolation? Right. So like right now when I'm going to do stuff, I go through Google Chrome and Chrome is my browser, right? Well, if you can imagine there are solutions and there are capabilities now that basically make it where when I get on the internet, I'm going through the cloud, which there's a remote browser operating in the cloud and it's enabling my access to the internet. And the, the cool thing there is, if something bad happens, if I go you know, look at a website I'm not supposed to, get infected, whatever else, it executes on that remote instance, not on my endpoint itself. So it's putting another layer between me and the active threat space, if you will. So that feeds into my next question then, because that was funny. Social engineering, us humans, I think you could have the most robust solution out there, multiple layers of solutions. Um, how critical do you think it is to train your end users on cybersecurity considerations? So this is where I differ from a lot of people and I get a lot of hate mail about this. Um, I personally, I... <laughs> I don't think that uh, I don't think that it's necessarily a wise investment most of the time to try and fix people. I mean, if you look at if you look at this, the rates on what clicks happen after cybersecurity training, it's typically between three and seven percent. Um, it's great to go from 100 percent to, you know, three percent. However, three percent of people that will click on stuff are three percent of people that click on stuff come hell or high water. I mean, there there is no way to fix them. There's I mean, you know what I mean? It's just people will will get that. And I'm telling I'm talking from being a red teamer and doing exploits like I fished the crap out of people and I fished the crap out of people days after fishing training and we got them every time. So I I personally am not a fan of relying. Let me put that in of relying on training people. I think you should train them. I think they should understand the space, but I don't think that it's a, a wise use of resources or budget to rely on training to count on people to not cause infections. So you just mentioned that you were doing red. Red teaming. Mm -hmm. Red teaming. I'm assuming that means, are you like a white hat working to find what other penetration or weaknesses, yeah, yeah. right? I used, to, I used to sit in vans and, you know, jump over fences and all kinds of stuff. I'm, I've I'm, always been curious. Yay. This is so exciting. Okay. Yay. You're that person. Okay. Yeah, I'm too old for that now. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. So, <laughs> If you are inherently a good person, which you are, I can tell based on our conversation, uh, would it, a lot of training on your side to like think like a bad person, like a, like was uh, it a hard mind like uh, to switch your mind to think like that? 
No, I mean, for me personally, it, it wasn't necessarily a, a hard thing to do because I, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in, um, I, I, I like to play the, the numbers in, in science, right? And I mean, I know science and statistically based, if I have the right things aimed at the right group of people, somebody's going to be my rabbit, you know, and it, uh, for me, I always just played that. Hello. I mean, it was fun because we got to do you know, lots of things that probably would have gotten us arrested nowadays, but um, it, it still it still was just basically wrapping your mind around the, you know, the, the mindset of how would I how would I cause a problem? And if you could do that, you know, you're pretty good. Now, I mean, you could go way further down the rabbit hole and be much more Machiavellian. But at the time I was doing it, we were getting paid to, to basically just find a way in and then tell the leadership, like, look, here's your problem. Yeah, but man alive, like I could see where, hey, they're paying you to do bad and how it could be enticing to do more bad or the flip side is there have you ever and i'm not going to question any of our former colleagues but do you think there's ever temptation like doing that what you were doing red teaming where you're like you know i can make millions of money you know millions of dollars off this has there ever been that temptation or do you guys ever joke about that uh yeah i mean we joked about it we were there's plenty of times where we were like dude you know we're like we're doing engagement and it'd be like you know they would take a while to pay us and it'd be like well you know, we already know where they're, where they're weak. Why don't we just make them pay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just like, this is so fun for me. So does that mean then all the Hollywood movies of all these, like, you know, hackers and all that stuff, what's your favorite, favorite scene that was wildly most inaccurate? Uh, well, it'd probably be between swordfish with the weird cube things that, uh, he was drinking wine and listening to emo music. And then the other one would be, um, black hat where they were analyzing the code and for some reason the bad guy's code was in red and the good guy's code was in green because that's how it works <laughs> okay and what was the best representation of uh, a real life hacking that you saw in hollywood uh i mean i think sneakers was actually pretty good with just um some of the stuff they did for the hardware hacking um i don't know that i've seen a very good hacking movie um out there most of them are pretty asinine when you really get into it but i mean i a, I'm a Robert Redford fan, and B, um, I, I just thought the hardware hacking stuff they did was kind of neat. That's cool. So on that note then, oh my gosh, so Chase, I really appreciate your time talking to me, and I know it's kind of all over the place. It's just, but now that I know you had that red, what's that called, red team? Yeah, yeah. Red team experience. I may just have to just keep bugging you for that because I just love that type of stuff. It's so much more dramatic in Hollywood. So it's easier for us. Yeah. We spent plenty of time drinking coffee and sitting in rooms doing nothing. So I, I would say it's, it's 99% uh, plot plan scheme and 1% of, you know, actual operational, whatever. I always, I always did chuckle. They're like typing, like I'm going to hack into this alien, like, you know, operating system. I'm like, Who, how? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I, I've asked this uh, with quite a few other individuals, so I'm going to have to ask you. I heard about this one little story. Um, so I asked normally, do you have an Alexa in your house? But I think you have an additional story to yours. So help me understand what happened uh, with your Alexa. Yeah. So, um, you know, I do speaking engagements and um, there was a, a group that I've been doing uh, that I've been lining up a speech for for a while. And I finally did the speech and whatever. And I jokingly had told them repeatedly, like, look, I don't I don't have those things in my house. I don't want them in my house. I think they're surveillance apparatus, like blah, blah, blah. And they they said, OK, cool. Ha ha. Giggle, giggle. And when I did the speech as a speaker gift, they gave me an Alexa and sent me home with it. Um, and it didn't work out well for the Alexa. <laughs> 
You're, you're not going to tell me what you did, did you? I took it out in the backyard and used an incendiary round from a 12 gauge to destroy it. And allegedly that's uh, on video? Yeah, it's on video. <laughs> it's on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. That actually reminds me of, uh, uh, gosh, what was that? Office space, you know, they beat down that printer. Yeah, yeah. So. It's much more fun to use a phosphorus round from a 12 gauge, though. Oh, I'd imagine so. I imagine so. Well, Dr. Chase Cunningham, I really appreciate your time. For those that would like to, uh, if you would like to, uh, anything you'd like to promote or how to get a hold of you, how could one uh, find you? I'm on Twitter uh, at C-Y-N-J-A-Chase-C and then all over LinkedIn. Pretty easy to find me there. And then uh, I'm on YouTube as well. So it's uh, it's not hard to find me. I'm usually the only uh, Chase Cunningham cyber, you know, that you can find out there. And I heard you've got a podcast. Why don't we promote it as well? Yeah, yeah. So we do a podcast called Something Something Cyber, um, and it's uh, it's me and Bill Thrash, and we, you know, we just talk about the realities of the issue, and there may be the occasional uh, profanity or you know f bomb dropped in there, but we try and keep it as honest as possible. Hey, you know what though? I think with cybersecurity, this is a battle battleground. Um, look, it's going to happen, right? And you know, just like so many of these other individuals that did do the proper updates and it just still happened with SolarWinds and FireEye. So on that note, I guess everyone stay safe as possible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Up. Yep. No, but I, I <clears throat> want to leave this on a positive note, right? So we know we're going to have bad actors happening. I think as long as you have a good process in place and you maintain your, uh, you know, discipline and, um, continue training people though chase thinks that's probably not the best thing but you still need to train people train them just don't rely on that to be the stopgap. exactly exactly but on that note i think that wraps it up for another episode of the ransomware battleground we'll see you next time bye guys <laughs>